without a bar. Welcome to 3PNR. I'm your host, Adamar. And with me this evening, Mike Penicello, Dan Spell, both MUFON. Gentlemen, how's it going? Good, thank you. How are you? Great, Adam. Thank you. Good, good. I'm glad you guys are back. Um, Philip Schneider is the, is the subject tonight. And like I was saying, my God, what a lot of twists and turns. An insane amount. Um, I don't know. I usually am pretty good about having a good fix on what I think. This is the first time where I have I'm lost completely. What have you guys? Uh, what, what have you learned about him thus far? Well, well, I don't know if Dan wants to go first or I can go first. Either or, go ahead. I'll, go ahead. Give it a shot, then I'll follow. Okay. Um, so I, you know, he's an interesting character. I mean, if you do a Google search of him, you'll find those that support him and believe everything he says unconditionally. And then you'd find those that think he's a hoax and a a disinformation person, which I guess is kind of common in in our field with so-called whistleblowers as he's kind of referred to. Um, The the thing I found interesting about this guy in his case is that, you know, he it's credible in that we, we know that the government has underground bases. We know that it's common, um, for this technology to exist. It's been around since the you know 1940s. They've been looking into this, especially with the start of the Cold War when the government was worried about continuity of government, that they really started investing in research and creating these elaborate underground bunkers. And just a simple search of the Army Corps of Engineers um, papers, which you can, it's public domain. You can go on their website and read them shows all kinds of different plans and schematics for these elaborate underground bases. And, um, you know, whether they built them or not, that's a million-dollar question. People still debate that, and a lot of them are probably classified, and maybe Dan can talk a little more about that, But since he was in the government. But they're out there. And so that kind of leads to credibility to what this guy is saying, that, you know, there is this massive base there. And there's a lot of UFO sightings that are very unexplained that happen around this area. Um, Kirkland Air Force Base is around this area. There's a hotbed of um, nuclear testing, nuclear weapons were stored there. And, you know, ufology has documented, ufologists have documented over and over again that UFOs are interested in their nuclear arsenal. So, again, it makes sense that the location, the fact that the technology exists to build something like this. Um, are all plausible. I agree, uh, especially with the Cold War, uh, which, you know, to this day, it's hard for me to wrap my head around us being so concerned about the ideologies and, and the, the agenda of another country. I, I mean, I guess it makes sense. But at the end of the day, when we die, we're all the same. Um, his case, there's, there's things for me in this. One, in his presentation, he's very collected. I got I I'm, I got the impression that it, it almost gave me the, actually gave me the impression like he was presenting a case to his superiors the way he was speaking in, in an audience, uh, no changes in his voice tone, no signs of excitement, no fidgeting, just very left to right presentation, and it's either that he programmed himself to be that way, or he believes every word wholeheartedly, and on the flip side of the coin, like you said, he could be a misinformation. Uh, 
individual that is, you know, he's trained to, to speak that way. But then his death and then the things surrounding his death. There, there's a lot of abnormalities there. What did you gather from it, Dan? Well, I, uh, my research has found 10 different claims that Phil Schneider has made. We, everyone knows about the, the alleged firefight at the Dulce base. And he said that he was involved with a firefight with ETs down underground. And he was the only one left that knows the details of the entire operation. He claims 66 Secret Service agents, FBI, Black Berets, and others died in that firefight. That's pretty well-known legendary story of his. But some other things that he claims are that there are 129 deep underground military bases that have already been built. 129. Think about the cost of that. Yeah, that's in the trillions. Oh, that would definitely be in the trillions. So that one gives me pause. He also claimed, based on his knowledge and work with and for the government, that for every calendar year that goes by, U.S. military technology has increased by 44.5 years. So another one that, that gives me pause. If, we, if that were the case, we wouldn't be using internal combustion engines to fly from here to Los Angeles. I, I just don't see that as being a valid claim. I agree with that because the applications he speaks about in a, and this is, you're talking seventies by now would be in the public, right? We, we would definitely be. I would, I would think so. Yes. Yeah. Because that's, they could make a lot of money on that. You know, they could get, if you could guarantee someone an underground railway that'll move you from New York to yeah. LA in, in, in less than an hour. Yep. That's a billion my, dollar corporation. Next, the next point that he claimed guys was that the federal government built 107,200 full-length railroads. And and here's where it gets kind of crazy. Each of these these rail cars, I'm sorry, they were rail cars that he that he claimed the Gunderson company out in Oregon built. He claimed that these rail cars, 107,200 of them, each had 143 pairs of shackles on them that for I guess to imprison people who disagreed with the government and what he claimed was some new world order yeah that's strange it it, some of this stuff is is just beyond belief and he said that the U.S. space shuttle was moving large ingots of special metals that were that were milled in in space because they can't be produced here on the earth and and needed a near vacuum of space to produce them. That one, you know, maybe a little bit more believable to me, but I'm not sure about that. Yeah. I imagine the way things cure in space versus here are different. I, you know, I'm going to look further. I tried looking further into that, by the way, and I didn't hear a whole lot about it outside of some people from uh, MIT. And Mm -hmm. it was still speculation though. It wasn't like, you know, something that they're, they're practicing because, then again, we don't have a laboratory that other than ISS, we don't have anything else up there. So, and ISS is being used internationally. So we couldn't work on per se black projects up there. Right. 
So, yeah, his story is strange. Uh, uh, through every, every inch of it is strange. Um, the one- oh, there, there's more here. He, yeah. he, he claimed that the U.S. allowed the United Nations to use our stealth aircraft technology. That one, I, I, I can, I cannot imagine the United States military ever doing that. No, that, no, is we're, it possible? I suppose it is, but I, I, I just don't see it. In one of his videos, he presents an ID, and it, it, the ID, and I wrote this down because it caught my interest. It said, "Uh, the air, the Department of Air Force." Is that an actual title? What? No, it's an organization. Huh. There's a Department of the Air Force, which is within the DOD, but it's not a title per se. Yeah, these claims here. I'll let you guys listen to this real quick. Hang on. Go ahead. I was lower down the basket of one of these holes, and about from me to this elderly woman here in the front was sitting a seven-foot-tall alien gray. The stench was worse than the worst garbage can. You can imagine uh, the person was at, or the entity was absolutely horrible. I didn't waste any time. I reached for my pistol. At that time, as an engineer, I didn't have time to carry all the folder, all of one of these big submachine guns at all the sea spray and the yellow fruit and the, all the uh, outer perimeter and inner perimeter security people carried. I carried a little Walter PPK pistol with a nine-shot clip. <clears throat> this was in late August of 1979. Now. You got a regular suit of clothes. You got a regular clothes on. Plus, you're in a almost like a spacesuit environment, and you're reaching for a gun. It's it's not the easiest thing to do, and then to pop a clip in it and start shooting. Okay, so here's where I, I took issue. He's lowered down in this basket into a place that he claims. If earlier in the video he says, "You know, government's very aware of it." And so he goes down by himself. Now, why does he go? I get it. You're the engineer. You're there to supervise and make sure things are running adequately. What the hell is he doing with a Walter PPK? Right. And, and then on top of which, why wasn't the clip not in it already? Yes, exactly. The magazine would have been in that in that handgun. You wouldn't catch no me in the woods without the clip in, right? Let alone a, a dark tunnel. with. And you know that there's something sketchy going on due to the presence of uh, military. So... I don't know. I that that's and then here's the other part. By himself, uh, all this military presence guards. Why wasn't he escorted? Because I don't. As far as I know, the government doesn't trust anyone. Right? They're not going to send some guy down there to evaluate something. And based on his word and his word alone, oh, it's fine. Endor, it's not working well. Without <coughs> there being you know a witness or something like that. So that's where I, I don't know. That's the roadblocks for me when I hear things like that. I mean, Mike, from a, from a, a different perspective, what, what do you think about that part of it? Well, I'm not an expert in law enforcement or military tactics, but I would think that if you were going into a, a po- possible hostile location, you would send in soldiers or someone to secure the location before you send the civilian in, which in this case would be him as the engineer. So it doesn't make sense that he'd be the first one to kick the door down sort of say um especially if they don't know what's going on down there i mean it's the same thing like with police actions you send in the squat team first they secure the location and then 
the CSI investigators go in after the fact. You don't send the CSI investigators in first and let them secure the spot. So it doesn't make sense on that. But that's the thing about this guy. And that, you know, um, I always think that this is the problem with ufology. You You have these people that come out and they bring some stuff that's true. I mean, like, you know, the underground bases is true and all of this. They bring in pieces that are true and then they elaborate. I mean, even in his video, when he is showing these photos, you can't see anything. They're all in this. You, you can't make anything out. I don't know what any of that stuff was in the video you sent us on YouTube or any of the YouTube videos that he's he's in. He shows this evidence that is unclear um, very difficult to make out exactly um, what is being shown. And so you're like, well, this is great. You have evidence, but it's still worthless evidence. And, um, you know, I, I, I think that this is why our field gets such a bad rep because we fall for this. Um, I agree. There are, like I said, there are parts of this that could be true. You know, you can read a book, a great book by, a guy named Richard Sonder, PhD, he wrote a base, a book called Underground Bases and Tunnels, What the Government is Trying to Hide. Um, it, that was written in 2014, and it'll lay all of this out, that the technology is out there to create this. But you can elaborate on it any way you want. And unfortunately, there's always going to be people that are going to believe whatever someone comes out and says. So, Yeah, I mean, I'm, I stand with Dan on this. And and you guys both know I have a very open mind and I'm not a naysayer, but I, I tackled this subject because it's constantly being pushed in my face by people. So I said, you know what? I'm not going to leave it to myself. I'll create a panel. I know a couple of guys and we'll, we'll evaluate it. And you know, I'm going to be honest, like another roadblock for me in part of the video, he's showing this, these medals that he claimed were given to him from Roswell as a kid. And then I, read the report about his father and his father was a allegedly a U-boat captain who was captured by the French and eventually turned over to the, uh, the, the, the Navy Intel and his father uh, somewhere down the line starts working on the Philadelphia project. To me, that's all really fantastic. What we what a pedigree. And so how did he end up being in the position he was in? And then it, it his position at he, where it goes from building bases for government safety turns into a firefight with aliens so if you look at the entire uh storyline there's a lot of holes you know why was he so privileged to get that those medals and who gave him those medals and it and then he claims that the alien presence was as far as he knows from the 1940s and just prior whatever maybe and then later on in his same video he says uh they're they he believes they've been around for almost five hundred thousand years yeah, but this is, I'm not saying I believe him. I think he's lying. I think this is, he's a fabricator. But what I'm saying is that this is so typical and this is what should be so frustrating to us as ufologists that people take bits and pieces that are of true information and then mold it into this this fabrication. I mean, if, you, if there's a photo of him online showing the scar that he got when, he was supposedly shot by that beam. It looks like an open heart scar. You know, when you have open heart surgery, did anyone ever look at his medical history? Did he ever have open heart surgery? Yeah. I tried finding that stuff by the way, and I couldn't find anything. Yeah. Uh, You know, you're right. I didn't see the image of the scar in his chest. Um, Was it proper? Like, you know, um, uh, horizontal. 
Well, it's a Pinterest. I found it on Pinterest. You know, again, it could be Photoshopped, but it, it I found it on several different websites of different times when he's raised his shirt to show what has happened to his body. Right. And uh, there's a there's a scar going right through him, um, but it's big. You know, but it looks could be any common reason for that. Any medical reason could have caused that. Very true. Plus, I mean, so two. There's there's two sides of the coin for him on this. He's filleted by what he claimed to be a controlled energy or lightning, and if it does do that, I could see it cauterizing, and you don't bleed out. Because if you get sliced like that with a, let's say a sword, you're dead. There's no surviving. The the green ray did not pull you in. You don't make it. You're wide open, bleeding like crazy, especially in that, you know, you're talking about center mass. Uh, but if it's something of high energy, maybe cauterize it. But it's, again, it's so fantastic to me to hear that because it's like, I don't know. <laughs> and watching his videos, he's so, like, he's collected. And that, that you know, for me, again, when I hear people, Dan said it, I've heard a few others say it, you said it, he could be a, an agent of, of mis, you know, misinformation and I think the UFO and here, and you're right. This is where it's tough for the ufology. Are they real? Most certainly our government has got the video. We know they're flying. We know that they're moving greatly. We don't know what they are exactly, but they exist. And then you have stories like this where the U and the UFOs are a great scapegoat for the government. In my opinion, right? It's fantastic. Well, if we do an experiment here and someone notice or whatever, maybe we'll just say UFO. And then we'll deny UFO, and by us denying UFO, then it's definitely UFO in the eyes of the public, right? So that could be one end of it. But um, Dan, in the mm-hmm. military, it, uh, he was describing uh, <clears throat> his ID, which I, I kind of fact-checked it a little bit. It, it does have some some weight to it, minus the idea of the, the retina scan. We're talking 1995, and I have no idea if that was more if, if that was practical use in 1995. I have no clue. Not sure because each location has a different type of security involved in it. I mean, nuclear-related facilities certainly have a different type of security than we had at Fort Meade. So, you know, I, I can't I can't really say whether he's telling the truth about that or not. Right. Yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Um, his death is most certainly mysterious. There's no question in that. He allegedly, he was, they, they tried off him, right? They tried running him off the road. They shot him with succession in his shoulder. Uh, that's the, that's the, the, le- the legend that he was harassed by unknown people and that he was found dead. And the, the coroner and the, the authority said it was by suicide. But the people who knew him claimed that there's no way that he did that. He, he was not physically capable of tying those ligatures, the ligature around his own neck tight enough to kill himself. Plus, so, he, he was in a chair, I believe, with, with the strangulation. And I'm still, and every time I read about it, here's a problem with this, especially from the 90s. I haven't found a consistent report or story they all lead to the idea that he was strangulated and or hung or, you know, but there's no consistency to, you know, what, like when I talk to detectives on this show, there's, you, you hear the story laid out, right? It, Cause it's, 
there's that uh, chain of command with a report. Right. And when you have that chain of command, no matter how the report's found via the web, you could tell a difference between what someone wants to make sensational versus what the report shows. And his is all over the place. It's just all over the place. It's insanity. So I don't, I don't know. There's other, like, especially the part about his father being a U-boat captain. I can't find anything on that either. <laughs> it's sad. And I put a lot of time into looking at it. Um, I don't, I don't know. Like he says, you know, the nuclear test, this is what Mike was talking about. He has these photographs where I guess it's depicting uh, unknown objects around nuclear test sites. And, but it, in the images he's showing, I don't see anything. Right. It looks like poor, poor, poor quality film. What puzzles me about it, guys, is that his dad, I think it's believe his name was Otto, was supposed to be a U-boat captain for the Third Reich. And, and then he transfers, you know, transitions into the U.S. Navy where he's doing extremely technical things. Generally, a U-boat c- captain was not the, that type of, you know, it was a j- just a different type of person who commanded a U-boat than would be doing research into the things that he supposedly did. I don't, I don't see the matchup. The, the Germans would never have allowed him to command a U-boat if he was that brilliant. I, I, you know, I agree with that. I know what you mean. You know, I'll tell you where I think he got that from. Uh, fact. We did take some Germans that were good with rockets, bring them over to us, which helped right. us accelerate. Werner program. Braun Braun is one of them. Right. So, but that was their expertise is building rockets. This guy's a U-boat captain, to your point. Yeah. Why did we need him for intelligence purposes other than to give away position? And outside of that, he has no reason to work on a Philadelphia project. Well, I think that's where you come back to my point that, you know, he's, it's so typical. He, he takes something that's true. Project Paperclip, where German scientists were brought over, and we brought over hundreds, maybe thousands. I don't remember off the top of my head how many, but we brought a lot over. That's all true. But then you spin it, and because most of the Project Paperclip files at the time were classified, there's really no way to prove it. And that's probably what you're running into now, because, yeah, there's a lot out there on Project Paperbook, uh, Paperclip, but there's still a lot that's classified. And so it's one of those stories where it, it's it's in the gray and he can get away with it. And that's that's so common. It's that's, that's so common with these type of uh, witnesses. You know, they run in the gray. It could be true. It could not be true. But as Dan said, it would, if you had that expertise, you'd be on land doing something for the Germans and not command because that was a very risky position to be in as a u-boat captain the mortality rate for u-boat captains and crew were extremely high they took a lot of losses especially once the convoy system started and the allies got better at sinking them in the north atlantic they took huge casualties so if you had someone with that kind of smarts for lack of a better way of saying it you would not risk their life as a u-boat captain right yeah i agree if we if we had a guy that could cure the coronavirus altogether we would definitely not have him on in a fighter jet right <laughs> he's valuable as, as with his knowledge um yeah I, I get hit with a lot of stuff right so i did a lot of the off-air interviews and, and you know the back and forth on some of these these sites and someone said that 
it, it, here's, I guess it's speculation because I still haven't confirmed. Did he work for the government? I have no idea. I don't have the, uh, the resources to find that out other than, you know, the university of YouTube. Um, but what they did say to me is that it's very possible, very likely that he, if he did work for the government and, and for their words, they brainwashed him and he started making these claims and they made him believe through brainwashing that these things happen. And it, so he didn't know the difference between the lie and, and, and the reality because he was, you know, brainwashing. And then what ended up happening is they were going to, they, they, this is the part where I lose it though. They had me at that part, but when they say, and then they killed him because he started remembering, et cetera, et cetera. I don't think so. And Dan back minutes, I'd like to believe if our government wanted you dead, you're gone and there's no newspaper heading. No, I, I think that's true. If, if, if they really had a need, they would do it. Yeah. I mean, for crying out loud, we, we struck a, so a guy in Iran with, with a precision bomb, a precise bomb. And now you're talking about someone stateside in the nineties where there's really not everyone walking around today with a camera. I think that guy disappears rather than hung or, or whatever it may be. I, I think the sad part of that case for me, I think, cause I started to evaluate it is that someone, I think it was a homicide. And I think he was the, the homicide by someone who wanted to supposedly back his claims and make it look more fantastic than what it was. Or he plotted that. I don't know. That, that, it's a, this story's tough. That's why when I presented you guys, like, right, I need more minds on this one. Cause I don't know what direction to go in with it. But yeah, what Mike said, especially about the, the father. So I'm officially going to say, or at least for me, in my own mind, I don't think his father was either a U-boat captain, nor did I do I believe he worked on the Philadelphia Project because he's nowhere in records. And this other piece here. Yeah. Specialized in underground bases. I still don't understand the part why he's going down there by himself. <laughs> I, I Even, I, let's say there's no alien threat. What is he doing going down there without an escort? I, like I said before, our government's pretty big on supervision. And then there's that, that thing about chain of command. And then you're talking about a trillion dollar project. They're trusting one person with, I don't think so. I think a team goes down to evaluate. And I think they go down with guard if need be. So I agree with you completely. The, uh, did you guys hear about, he said this other story about, oh, I forgot the name where did where we were chasing banshees some long time ago, 1800s, maybe. And they came across a cave and her gray aliens and, and disc flying dissonant. And how did he know that? Who told him that story? Where did that information come from? You're talking about an era where the, they were still using primitive writing utensils and paper and not doing a great job of documenting. So those are some of the things I want to, I'm going to, I'm going to try to investigate further, when, especially when I do the documentary uh, to his credit though, what I was going to, you know, talking about doing a documentary I looked mm -hmm. into Dolce uh, where he was, and to his credit, there are a lot of mili a, a big military presence. On, on top of which, one portion of it is controlled by Native Americans, where in both cases the average civilian is not welcomed. So that's to his credit. Uh, so I'm on the, I'm on the fence about that. Yeah, but that's common knowledge. I mean, you could go. You, everyone knows that there's bases there. You can just drive by and see the bases as right. for the reservation the, Indian, uh -huh. the native american reservation again common knowledge there's nothing spectacular about that right so there's no credit to him on that 
Well, for for me at that point, because I, I, you know, you're talking. I didn't know anything about Dulce till the, the, I before this podcast. I didn't really look too deep into ufology, and you know, I like I said, as a kid, I was interested. 2017 rolls around, the the videos come out. I'm interested, so I'm everything people learn long ago. I'm just learning, and so hmm. when I hear Dulce Dulce New Mexico, and I hear there's an air base there, well, that's no surprise. That's a wide open place. It sounds perfect for them to test and you know touch and goes. Do some tests. That makes sense. Uh, the, I didn't realize the Native Americans were almost packed up to their their property. That I didn't know. Um, so the, the only reason I say to his credit that those things exist now. Uh, was he there? I don't know. Because then he claims that's four, and that's not even in the same neighborhood. And I don't know. Like it's t- like, uh, all right. So this guy here says this is an off uh, off podcast. He referenced a movie called Core that was made in the 70s that utilized, or fictitionally utilized the same technology he discussed about the, you know, drilling the holes. And so I had to look at clips and watch part of it. And yeah, that exists. So did he get some of that from a movie? Very likely. So moving from there, Dan and Mike, mm-hmm. we we both got a strong idea that the, the Philip Schneider thing uh, I, I, I lean nay on that. I have to. Uh, the only things that ever gave me any kind of reason to believe him is because he, you know, he's very collected and his story didn't really alter, although it contradicted itself, you know, in, in the timelines. Uh, and I imagine you guys feel the same on that, but moving forward from that, I'm also reading, there's another disclosure coming up from our government. Have you guys heard anything about that? I have not. Nothing. No, I haven't. Yeah, there's. Um, it was brought to my attention by a friend of mine, and it could be. I don't know if it's a disclosure or not. I think it's more like an in the know or maybe a uh, um, a Q and A, but it's supposedly coming by 2022 of January. Uh, what is it? Yeah, I think it's a Q and A. I think it's just gonna be more of what we know already, and they're gonna maybe elaborate on it. And what is there to elaborate on? It's just flying around. You don't know what it is. But I don't know. The feel, so right now for me, I mean, are you guys in agreement with that? Phil Schneider, possibly a, a nay? I agree to that. I think what may have happened with, with Phil Schneider, and, I, and of course I never got to meet him or anything, and I think there may be some kernel of truth to what he experienced. And then he started telling his story and then as time went on, he had, he felt the need to make it more interesting than it probably actually was. And he got caught up in it and he lost control of his, of his own story. And it became probably a lot of fabrication with some kernel of truth to it. I have to agree with that. You on board with that, Mike? Sure, I'll go with that. Yeah, but, but the, the problem is, wh- what is that kernel of truth? What is what is real and what is what is not? I think from the way he speaks, and uh, did he work on tunnels or did he have a an engineering background? Possibly, because he he does. He's definitely utilizing language I would otherwise not use in his in his uh in his speeches anyway. But that could be learned. Well, there wasn't YouTube in nineteen ninety five. Today, you can learn anything like that then i don't know so the colonel yeah perhaps maybe or or the truth could be he visited there 
observed in, in keep in mind Dolce New Mexico Nevada when we're testing our, our stuff we're testing over those those wide areas that are you know for the most part remote did he witness something fantastic and his mind ran away possibly mm-hmm. but here's a big one too are there any records of him like I, I have I, I can't find a single thing stating he was what he said he was um, government uh, nothing speaking to his education nothing I can't find any of it and usually with the the all-knowing University of Google, you could find these things, somewhat of it anyway. Uh, but all I hear is claims, and that that puts me back in position one. So I hate being in position one. I like knowing. It's like like I was telling Mike when I first met him. I there, I can't watch a show and not finish the series. I got to know, or else it'll drive me crazy. So yeah, I think what might have happened with him, why there wasn't more research into his story, is because he died. He wasn't on the he wasn't on the uh, stage for very long, and is more of the out of sight, out of mind. And now he's just part of the legend, the myth of ufology. And people talk about him, but you have to really dig to find information on him. Whereas some of the more current whistleblowers that are still on the stage, you know, they're in the, they're in they're in the public's eye. And so they get more attention. And I think that's probably why there's not much research going on to his story because he's been dead a long time. Uh, I don't know if this new generation, the young, the younger generation, even know who he is. Um, The older generation does our generation, but I think that's the reason why he's kind of just left as an interesting whistleblower supposedly. And that's kind of where they, they stop. And if you, the blogs and the research is kind of, you know, it does hit that dead end. It doesn't dig much deeper. I think if he lived and continued on talking for another couple of years, or even today, there'd be a lot more information on him. And um, similarly, like what happened with Travis Wallen and stuff, you know, he's still in the public stage. They're still looking into his story, even though, um, you know, I think a lot of people agree on it, but it's that's my point. I think that's why you're you're hitting a wall in, in finding information on this particular individual. I agree. I agree with that. Yeah, like you're right, like you're right. Uh, Travis Walton's very well documented. Uh and he is on the stage because people are still interested in learning and you know, even like me, uh you evolve the way you think. Especially as you get older and, you, and wisdom starts setting in. Uh Travis Walton you know, he was a victim of his own doing, right? Just like I will be. Uh, he saw something fantastic on the ground. He ran at it and the price was paid and, and they were obligated to fix them. Just like if you were, like I said, just a lot. When we're watching animals in the wild for a documentary, we can't get involved no matter what. Uh, animals fight, uh, the bait, the bait, the cubs are being killed by a predator. You can't get involved. But if you hit it with your truck, you're obligated because it's not natural to nature. You're there to observe and you injured that animal. You better believe they got you got to fix it. Best medical attention possible. I think in Travis's case, that's what happened. In my case, one day, if I if I come across a UFO, that's what's going to happen because I'm going to run up. I got to see it firsthand. Um, as far as him, I think you're right. I think if he were around today, I think it would have been interesting to see if his story held you know its ground. Um, because <clears throat> you know Bob Lazar's story, not only did it hold its ground. But some of the stuff he depicted in the 80s, 90s is I basically how they're performing as we're watching them. Now, he said back then, you know, the belly up is how they go fast. And so pretty much everything he said, if when you observe these videos, sounds about right. Almost Even the, the, 
descriptions he laid out for the most part anyway for you what story all right let's 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 go down this road we'll start with mike penicello what story in in history ufology caught your absolute attention and to this day you stand behind it i think roswell i think that there's been enough research by like uh you know tom carney his two books are seminal works um the documenting the witness testimony and uh, then Stanton Freeman, his work in documenting Roswell. I think something happened there. The inconsistencies with what the government has said over the years and trying to cover it up um, with the project mogul and the weather balloons and the dummies and so on and so forth. Um, and then I think that's something happened that day. I th- um so I, I think that was still going to be our our best documented case for me. That there, yeah, I'll go with Roswell. Okay, Dan, what about you? I think Roswell is probably the one that immediately comes to mind for most people, the most well documented. There's also several years before that a case in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, doesn't get anywhere near the publicity of Roswell. Yeah. I I was just going to say, I've never heard of that prep by all means. Tell me uh, a a craft supposedly crashed near Cape Girardeau. And um, there was at least one entity that was retrieved from the crashed object. And um, they gave it a, a a minister was called out and they gave him the, the end of it, the creature, the last rites and they buried him there. And like like Roswell, the, the military came out and hauled hauled whatever it was away. But you don't hear much about that case. But it um, was right before Roswell. Oh yeah, I think I did. You know, something about, or maybe it's something I'm di- uh, different. I'm thinking about um, something be- long before we had flying craft. You're thinking of Aurora, Texas, I think. Yeah, where they buried a body. It was an unnamed right. grave. Right. They gave that alien or person right last rights as well and then yeah. they buried him all right so that's why it sounded familiar okay yeah i never gave that a, that's probably something i want to dig into next um the next episode we all do together we're gonna each of us pick our own subject get familiar with it and then let's see if we come in in collaboration all right um Great idea sure for Sounds me good. the biggest story ufology that that tells me there's there's something more than what meets the eye was Barney and Benny Hill. And I say this because in that era, you're thinking this is an interracial couple in an era where it was frowned upon and so on and so forth. And I I think, what did they have to gain from this? And I didn't see any pluses for there, right? I always weigh things in a plus and minuses of what what you're claiming. And so I would, if I'm Barney, I live then, I'm an interracial couple. I don't want attention. It's already bad enough, you know, people people suck. So for them to come out and talk about it, I don't know. That I think they I think more negatives came out for them. So they didn't really gain from that. Um and then you hear about Barney's life thereafter. I I'd spoken with Kathleen Martin. She was on the show. She's a direct descendant of uh Betty. And and move on and wrote set books and she was fantastic to talk to. And I uh, I hear her side of it and I hear the side of Betty and Barney and I don't see any positives that came from that 
You know, like where, and, and another thing that gave me and why that case drew me out and gives me the attention is Betty describes a star, a star system, even draws it up unidentifiable in that time. Not till later on when technology increases and we, we actually find this thing that it lined up with something she drew years and years prior. And she was no astronomer either. How right. could she possibly have known that? Right. Yeah. Her education was minimal at best. Definitely. We said not an astronomer. <laughs> So that gives me validity that, that, that gives me strength to believe because everything about that story tells me that they're being honest, every bit of it. Uh, and Barney's disposition and his me- the mental fatigues that weighed upon him. And he had, he had to go through a hypnotic regression to confront it, which ended up uh, kind of blown up in his face. Cause I, and I understand why I did it. If I lost time and something fantastic happened to me, I would want to know too. I wouldn't rest well till I knew. But then there's the other side of that card. What if you find out it's something so disturbing it ruins the remainder of your days? So yeah, for me that story that that grabs me. Yeah, that's that is a very compelling story, no question. So yeah, I I think I'm gonna not that I can look any further into that, but I'm gonna begin talking to experiencers, people that have been or you know claim abduction and. In a perfect world, I'll have three of them on. And at the same time, I'm going to vet three of them separately, but have them on at the same time, because obviously I'm going to vet them according to the lining of what they've uh, discovered or what they learned or what they've been through and just hear their stories out and figure out what, what it is, what it is they went through and then what they believe they learned from it. Because everyone has to learn from something like Travis Walton learned his, his, uh, his perspective has definitely evolved since it happened. I mean, he was angry toward him in the beginning and then in hindsight realized that, well, maybe I shouldn't have ran at this thing and I wouldn't have gotten hurt and then they wouldn't have to take me aboard and fix me. Right. Uh, I would like to think that anyway, mm-hmm. but yeah. So in the upcoming future here, we'll do another episode. Each of you pick your own subject and we'll, we'll cover it and we'll find out what conclusions we come to. Yeah. So that sounds great. Sounds good. Sounds like a fun project. Indeed. Perfect. Danny, do you want to add in before we close? Uh, no, I, I think that's it for the evening. Thank you, guys. Not a problem. Mike, you as well? No, I, I think I'm good. I had fun talking with both of you, and uh, this was a stimulating conversation, so I enjoyed it. Perfect. It was indeed. Happy happy holidays, guys. Happy holidays, gentlemen. That's yes, right. Happy holidays. We'll right. talk soon. You guys have a good night. You too. See Thanks you next you time. Too. Take care. Good night.